Whenever I visit France, I always see lots of top bottles for sale, but when I get back home, those same bottles can be much harder to find, if not impossible. That's why I use IdealWine.com. At IdealWine.com, I can buy wines directly from France for delivery directly to my home. They have new auctions every week, and the fixed price selection is equally awesome. Clos Rouchard, Chateau Reyes, and Ulysse Colon, as well as many more greats from all over France, are regularly available on the website. Best of all, it is simple and hassle-free to buy them. Ideal Wine handles all the customs and logistics hurdles for you and for me. Wines are ordered with a couple of clicks, and then they arrive. It is simple. Check out IdealWine.com for more information. That's I-D-E-A-L-W-I-N-E.com to find what you'd like to be drinking. I'll drink to that, where we get behind the scenes of the beverage business. I'm Levy Dalton. I'm Erin Scala. And here's our show today. Glass, it's such an important factor in the wine business, and we take glass for granted these days, as it is plentiful and easy to get. But glass wasn't always such a part of wine trade and consumption, and in a way, the last several centuries of winemaking have really run in parallel with advancements in glass technology. Glass beads were being produced as early as 2500 BC, but Egyptian glass vessels began to be created around 1500 BC. Egyptian glass was only for the pharaohs and the nobles. Around 300 BC, Syrians invented a pipe for blowing glass, and the craft of glass blowing was born. During the Roman Empire, glassmaking flourished. It went everywhere the Romans went, just like grapevines, and the main hub of glassmaking was based in the now German city of Cologne. But as the Roman Empire slowly fell, glassmaking faded away, it became less valued, and many of the once-embraced methods of producing glass had been lost or forgotten. But not in Venice. In Venice, glassmaking was a secret profession. Glassmakers, the Glassmakers Guild, and the families of glassmakers were exiled to Murano Island. You see, the smoke and fires they needed to produce glass, it wouldn't disrupt the city life there. And also, the secrets of glassmaking could be heavily guarded. The secrets were considered so valuable that glassmakers and their family members were forbidden to leave the island with the risk of death if they were caught elsewhere. And yet, wherever there is oppression, there are usually those who manage to escape it. A few rogue glassmakers were able to escape Murano, and they brought their craft to other areas of Europe. But why would they leave when faced with death if they were caught? Well, other governments wanted glass so badly that they offered serious incentives. For instance, if a Venetian glassmaker brought their secrets to France, they were exempt from all taxes and they could gain expedited citizenship. In 
glassmaking was shrouded in secrecy until the 1600s when Antonio Neri published the book, The Art of Glass. In part due to Neri's book, glassmaking became a large part of the Renaissance. And during this period, we saw an increase in glassmaking technology that not only affected the wine world, but it also helped Galileo find lenses for his telescopes. And it helped near and far-sighted people to have better spectacles. Things really changed when Venetian glassblowers traveled throughout Europe and spread their craft. Where did they go? They created forest glass houses. Forest glass houses became popular in Europe. Because glassmakers needed large amounts of wood, they usually set up in forests, and their products varied based on the different compositions of ash they could render from the particular plants and trees in their area. Now, as a glassmaker cleared the surrounding forest from their forest glasshouse, people would move in to cultivate the cleared land, and entire ecosystems and agricultural hubs were changed. Glasshouses tended to move around because once they exhausted the wood in a particular part of a forest, they'd move on to new forests. Glasshouses produced one item in particular of great importance, rumers. It's R-O-U-M-L-A-U-T M-E-R-S. Rumors are the ancestors of the modern-day wine glass, and they were used for wine and ale consumption. Early rumors looked like fancy small jars or cups with glass bases, but over the centuries, rumors became increasingly complex, and elaborate pedestals for the cup became attached to the bottoms. In England, they had deforestation issues, and soon glassmakers were experimenting with different methods of heat, such as coal. This made English glass different. It was darker and stronger, and great for shipping liquids. This gave them a leg up in the bottle market. In 1676, things changed again when lead glass was invented. George Ravenscroft worked in Venice for many years, but he secretly made glass in England. And his invention of lead glass is sort of the beginning of the story of the modern wine glass. Lead glass stays pliable when it's hot, much longer than non-lead glass. And this allowed glass blowers to make different shapes more easily. Shape and form began to be more important. Whereas in the past, glassmakers were idealized for their embellishments and decorations. But with lead glass, the aesthetic began to change toward unembellished glass in unique forms. The idea of a pencil-thin glass stem on a glass cup, though commonplace today, is a relatively contemporary idea. More recently, the Industrial Revolution saw many things that moved glass from a craft to a commodity, such as the tank furnace, automatic glass blowing machines, and glass molds for mass bottle production. These inventions brought wine glasses and bottles into the homes of everyday people. Today, the modern wine glass market seems to be an interesting hybrid of craft and industry, with large-scale craft production driving much of the high-end wine glass market. So the next time you toast and drink out of a glass wine glass, think of what it must have been like living in exile on the island of Murano near Venice. It's not enough to make great wine. You also have to reach the consumer that appreciates that wine. And that's where Offset is an incredible asset. Offset is an independent brand design and commerce technology company that connects with wineries on a human level to help them connect with consumers on a human level. 
Offset is based in wine country and staffed by creative strategists and technologists who are superb at helping create and evolve wine brands through visual identity and package design, developing the look, feel, and tone of your web content, as well as building beautiful and effective websites powered by their proprietary e-commerce platform, Offset Commerce. That's why leaders like Frog Sleep, Grace Family Vineyards, and Rain Winery already rely on Offset. Reach out to the brilliant team at Offset at offsetpartners.com. That's O-F-F-S-E-T, partners with an S, dot com. Offset is focused on the wine industry and can embrace the nuanced needs of your wine brand. Marco Palanti of Castello da Ama on the show today. Hello, sir. How are you? Fine. Thank you very much. Very nice to have you here. I'm, I'm happy to be here to, to speak about my, my, my job, my, my life. <laughs> so you're a winemaker and owner at Castello da Ama in Gaiole these yeah. days? Yes. I, I am a winemaker since 1982. Is my first harvested. And after I married the one of the daughter of the of the owner, and so I I have co-owner with my my wife. A beautiful move, nice uh, move uh, on your part. Yeah, beautiful move. <laughs> Good strategy. Because, uh, overall, because when I find that the, this place is a friend of mine to give to give to give me in, in the property, said me, hey, there is a property in uh, near Gaiola. It's, it's called Fattoria di Ama. Do you know? No, I don't know. But uh, they are looking for a young guy to to give the 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 car the house no this is impossible <laughs> <laughs> they are waiting me so after house and car i i found also the wife and so it's a, <laughs> it's a really a, a movie <laughs> but you had been a, a professional like kayaker you'd been a sportsman yeah i come from sport i'm very competitive in my my think i i would like to do my best in every in everything and so i when I start to make wine is to produce the great wine. I don't like to make wine only to produce wine. This is our, our, my objective. So you arrived at Castello d'Ama in 1982. And yeah. what was the history of the place before that? Uh, before was the, the, the owner, the actual, more or less, the actual owner, bought the property in the early 70s. was four family come from Rome. They don't know the wine, they, they love the place. To be uh, in the middle between Siena and Florence was, was a dream. The, the, the place is the most beautiful thing, so most very attractive. Uh, during the first year, one of these associated uh, start to know uh, the Bordeaux wine. And so he convinced the other to invest. In the middle of 70, a great part of the vineyard was uh, planted. In the 79, a beautiful, a fantastic cellar was finished because when I arrived in 82, the cellar was amazing because it's uh, completely still with the control of the temperature. It was really it's something up to date uh, today. And so at that time was really a veneristic uh, cellar. And after this, uh, they start to look for a, a young winemaker to, to invest also f on him because I, 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 I have studied French to go to the University of Bordeaux. I, I did my specialization in winemaker in, in Bordeaux because I'm 
graduated in uh, agriculture in Italy. At the time, it did exist a specific university for winemaking in Italy. And so I, my studies, uh, I, I, I did uh, out uh, abroad uh, Italy. And you had been to Bordeaux, and, and did you meet Patrick Leon there? Yeah, he's a friend of the property, and this uh, is is very important for my first years because he was a amazing amazing man. Give me the possibility to to enter in the best uh, chateau of the world in the early eighty, uh, and was important for me because I. I try to 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 understand everything and to give with me what what I can, and Patrick was very important also in terms of testing because we we test one each year together and was was very important really for the quality and for overall for the my imprinting in my making. What was he like in person? Uh, he's a he's a very serious uh, man and he. Uh, have a, a lot of culture in wine. You know every wine because bef- before Mouton, he worked with uh, uh, Alexis Lechine, and so he, he has the possibility to test the the, the, the wine in, the, overall the, from French, but also for the other part of the world. And uh, he did uh, together with uh, uh, Mondavi the first uh, Opus One, and so. It's, is <laughs> a, fa- a fantastic, uh, how you say, leader for me to 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 understand better to enter. Uh, I think is the best enter I, I can uh, uh, desire because is I enter for the first door. It's not for the second door. He was working as a consultant with Castel Ama, and what did he tell you about Sangiovese? Sangiovese, uh, he loved the the fruity of the Sangiovese, the freshness. At the beginning, he had some uh, doubt for the consistency in terms of uh, aging of the wine. He saw in the in the wine uh, the, the similar characteristic of the Cru uh, um, uh, Beaujolais. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's not so far if you if you have in your head the. The, 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 the Cru Beaujolais, for example, is wine you can drink after five, eight years. It's good, uh, fresh, uh, clean, uh, without not too much oak. And I think it's not so far. And, and it was very... And little, little, discover, discover together the, the potential of the, of the grapes. Because when I started to produce wine, uh, it was incredible. It's very hard if you found a... Chianti Classico, drinkable after five years. At that time, in the uh, 80s. At the time, uh, we used the disciplinary for the Chianti, Chianti Classico permits us to use between 10 and 13, 30% of white grapes. And uh, this 30% is a percentage not in grapes, but in vines. And so you, you have in your vineyard... 30%, really? In 30, vines? In vines. And uh, you know the, the, the production of Uniblanc is bigger than Sangiovese. And so you have 30% in vines, and sometimes you arrive to have 35 or 40% of white grape. I, I remember one thing so was my first contact with the University of Bordeaux. Uh, Daniel Bourdieu, you know, is a French professor at the time, and explained me uh, in the class uh, the possibility to make wine red and white. 
and rosé. And he said, uh, the, the, the white wine you can produce with the white grapes or also with the red grapes. The red wine you have to produce with the red grapes. And watch me, I said, only the Italians said <laughs> it's possible to produce red wine with the white grapes. <laughs> All the Italians put their hand up in the air and like, Professor. <laughs> yeah, it was, was the first contact. What uh, is, uh, was really, was really beautiful. But I agree with him because at that time, uh, the problem of the, one of the problems of the Chianti is the acidity and, and is the white give more acidity. And the, uh, the the tannins, and so and together it become uh, orange very fast and very aggressive. And this is a problem, the great problem the, of the past Chianti Classico. So, who were producers in Gaiole in the eighties? Who was there? When well, you at the time, the the best producer was Badia Coltibono, is one or uh, Brolio. Unfortunately, in that time, is not the best period for this property because pass uh, hand by hand, and so we lose a little bit uh, the the appeal of the of the of the region uh, is, a, is, is a problem because for us Broglio is like our Chateau Margaux is, 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 is a good uh, example uh, is a great example because the, the history passed for Broglio of course after uh, after uh, Coltibuono in the in the Gaiole region we have uh, no more great producer i think more of the best now starting in this in, in this in that period like San Giusto Rentennano like uh, il Palazzino like uh, uh, have a lot of small producer uh, start to produce good wine we have uh, other producer, important producer, but not not only not in Gaiole, in our in our in, in every other part of Kent. For me, I, I love, for example, Felsina is one of my favorite wine. Start more or less in the same years, probably in, in the in the late seventy, but anyway. And uh, Fonterutoli started to produce good wine at that time. Uh, Castellin Villa, uh, there is a lot of, and of course, also Montevertini. I don't know if <laughs> I can speak about Montevertini because he, he didn't produce any Chianti Classico, but he's a producer of Chianti Classico, and so he, he started to produce very well. He, 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 he did the, the, the decision to produce out of the nomination but uh, in terms of uh, concentration for to produce quality is one of the most important small but important and i think originally he did produce chianti classical like the first few years the first few years yes but more or less we have the, if i compare my my history with the history of uh, sergio manetti we have the two uh, completely uh, opposite uh, line philosophy because we involve uh, our force in the, in the production of Chianti Classico. We are the first to introduce the crew concept, for example. In 78 was born our first uh, vineyard selection, Vigneto Bella Vista. And in the same times, he started to produce Montevertine like uh, a, f a singular uh, flag is is not uh, into the the, 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 the region. Yeah, enjoy. It's product into the region, but it's not with the name of the Chianti Classico. And so it's interesting because uh, after 30 years, we can say we are arrived, uh, have the success, but uh, with two completely different streets. And this is interesting. 
the dimension is different but anyway the the the, the powerful of the brand i think in this moment is more or less uh, uh, you can compare was there something that was happening inside italy that you think caused change to happen in the 80s that interesting estates started to open in the late 70s and 80s or revitalize at the time in the in the 80s uh, the, the strange people discovered the beauty of the place i think uh, chianti you mean people from a, outside is the a, area is a helped by the beauty because uh, i i was at the university in the middle of 70 and at that time, uh, if uh, you speak about uh, Chianti, said uh, Chianti have not uh, future because uh, as a wine, uh, yeah, it is impossible to have a good mechanization because uh, the stones, uh, the hill, uh, the, the is is very hard to do that. And at that time, uh, we study everything to 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 have a, a good me- mechanization to reduce the cost. And so the problem of the Chianti was a. Uh, was really what is the future of this region? Montalcino was not born, for example, at that exists only uh, Biondi Santi. Is is uh, some uh, rare uh, producer, but in terms of uh, region, is not so strong. And uh, so arrived the people from from Milan, from Rome, and also from abroad and uh, believe in, the, in this place and start to to plant the the vines and uh, as we d- we do for example well, as we did try uh, to discover uh, what is the real possibility of the traditional vari- variety before and so uh, finally the sangiovese was cultivated in a good way but not only so, uh, sangiovese also canaiolo for example on the, also the white grapes to discover if uh, the quality of the wine is uh, really the maximum uh, we can do in, or we can improve more quality my first 10 years was in this direction in the in the between 82 and 90 i produced 19 different labels of <laughs> of wines and five different label of white is incredible one uh, Trebbiano Malvasia for the tradition, and I and I work the, these two variety like uh, the the Chardonnay Champagne <laughs> in the best way. And, and after we discover the possibility of this wine, uh, I said the the Trebbiano is good when past the Alpi, and you distill and become Garmagnac. <laughs> Uh, or uh, Malvasia Bianca is good if you dried to, to produce a Vinsanto, but to produce the white grapes is very, very difficult. To do. And so we uh, surgrafted uh, different uh, new varieties, Chardonnay, Sauvignon, Pinot Gris, a little part of Riesling. Anyway, to, to understand uh, and overall to, to try to, to look for for each place the best grapes each parcel have to produce a good wine uh, and so we need to make uh, the white because not all the, the the property have the good disposition for the red we have another problem if you want is uh, the altitude uh, ama is uh, around five and 500 meters on the sea level and this is uh, this is a characteristic very important to understand the, char- the character of my wine, but at the same time is a, is a very difficult characteristic because if uh, 500 meters, if you don't plant the Sangiovese in the best position, you have uh, you can have some problem in some years because in, in not years you have a good uh, ripeness and 
Sangiovese without good ripeness have the very uh, bad tannins. is is aggressive, is uh, is green, is is acid, and so you need to 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 do this kind of of, of work. And so in in the early eighty, my first work is this. We surgrafted because another problem we we found is uh, in the same parcel the consortium said you have to plant all the variety of the Chianti Classico and so you 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 I found in the in the same parcel the red Sangiovese but with the uh, Trebbiano, Malvasia, Canaiolo all together and uh, you know it's impossible uh, when you make the harvest uh, or you pass uh, three four times in the same parcel or you put everything together and sometimes uh, something is uh, uh, over ripe some other is not ripe and so the, the, the is not the right uh, uh, project to produce wine quality wine and so we surgrafted we start with surgrafted and we surgrafted to to have a good homogenization for parcel to parcel, someone with the Sangiovese, some other with the white or with other. And at that time we introduced new variety. Between 82 and 87 I surgrafted 50,000 vines. That's, that's quite a bit. It's quite, uh, is a huge quantity of hectares. You know, uh, at that time the, the density is 2,800, 3,000 vines each hectares. And so, 50,000 was really, we changed completely the surface of the, of the property. And, and other things we did at the time is to found another trailing system can give us uh, more maturity. Uh, in Rale, the Institut National Recherche Agronomique of Bordeaux have just finished to study the Lyra, the Lyra system. You know, Lyra system is a double, is for the musical instruments, and so you have the double of leaves each vines. And if you imagine the leaves like a solar panel, you have the double of solar panel, for, and if you produce the same quantity of grapes, you have better maturity. It's very simple. The problem is it's very expensive because you have to pass double for each, for each, uh, for each vines, and I mean, this is a problem. But anyway, that system was very important because it uh, gave us the possibility to, to produce quality grapes uh, after one, two years, and this is very, very, very important for us. We transform 24 hectares in Lyra. And so I, I said, I found the cellar, but in the country we have to work a lot. And the first 10 years is dedicated completely, entirely dedicated to, to improve more quality to the grapes. This is a great secret of the French wine uh, uh, at that time. The I, grape material. Yeah, the, the, the raw material. is. Uh, if you arrive to, uh, so if you have the good raw material in the cellar, after this your work is, on, is only a control. You, you have a it's like when uh, a baby was born, no? you, <laughs> you wait the baby out, but you, you, you don't did nothing. And this is my, my, my work and my philosophy. And this is the philosophy remaining also today because I continue to work in this sense. Ama, for example, I said, is 500 meters and very, very calcareous soil. Uh, if you understand these two characteristics, you, you can understand better the characteristic of the wine. Because my wine, uh, you, you drink, I said, you drink, first of all, with the nose. It's a perfume, it's beautiful perfume. And uh, the freshness, because the acidity is a little bit more higher compared to the other part, more lower. And uh, in the same time, have the softness of the tannins. This is a 
characteristic of all my wine. The color is deep, but it's not deep, it's not black. Uh, it's like uh, a, a good Pinot Noir, no? It's a good density, a good, uh, good color, but it's not black like Cabernet Sauvignon, for example, or like Syrah, for example. But it's not important. This is the characteristic of my 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 grapes and my wine. What I try to do is uh, to respect the, this origin and and try to uh, to do my best. And after I propose to the market and. After this, you love or you don't love my wine? This is another question. But if you are looking for fresh Chianti Classico, uh, good balance, very elegant, uh, and sweet uh, tannins, this is the right place. Is if you are looking for the wine, powerful, colored, uh, this is not the right place to, to find it. This is what uh, we have to say to the customer in this moment, because the problem is not the, the goodness. Uh, the goodness is not my... It's not my. I haven't um, th this problem. The the goodness like a problem because the goodness for me is not my finality. Is a medium. Is a medium to explain you my terroir. Have, the, the wine have to be good, otherwise it's impossible to sell, of course. But at the same times, I respect the origin, and after this, I propose. Otherwise, for me, it's very difficult to recognize the boundary between the beverage and the wine. In this moment. Uh, this line is very uh, difficult to understand. If, uh, for example, if I ask you what kind of wine you want uh, and prepare this wine for you, this is wine or a beverage? It sounds to me more like a beverage. It's, it's more beverage. It can be also good, but it's another thing. And this is what uh, you can find very easily on the market. You, you, you f it's very difficult in this moment to find the, the bad wine. You, you, you find, uh, generally speaking, good wine, but uh, without soul. Uh, nothing to, to say you, because it's, uh, it's only good. Uh, and good uh, have the same project of Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola have to be good. Uh, but my project is not to be good. Goodness uh, is, is a medium. Uh, it's important, but it's a medium. So what about those sweet tannins? That, that you said that that's a hallmark of yours. Where did that philosophy come from? And is that a factor of where you're working or what you're working with or how? Of course, uh, it's very important, uh, the, the science, the technology, because every new step in this sense is only because the, the technology grow up. Otherwise, they, they they know uh, what we know now about the tannins is not the same things we know uh, we know in the, in the 80 uh, little little we discover uh, if we work in certain sense during the harvest if we test the skin on the seeds before the harvest we can decide that the harvest in uh, in function of this uh, on the character of the tannins and so with these uh, new things uh, we can arrive to make a very very sweet tannins without any uh, anymore Th that's all is is only you can do some pumping over for example uh, more in the first uh, part of the fermentation, a little bit uh, later uh, you reduce, or uh, in terms of temperature of maceration, it's better if you maintain the, the, the same temperature during all the maceration, uh, also when the fermentation was finished. 
And so with this uh, uh, new uh, work, uh, we, we arrive to, to produce a very sweet tannins, very, very soft, and we don't, uh, we don't like the, the, the aggression by the tannins. The tannins is important. This is one, one of the most important things I, I discovered in, in 82 when I have been the first time at the University of Bordeaux, because in Italy, uh, sometimes said this wine is impossible to drink now because you can drink this after 20 years. I arrived in Bordeaux and I test uh, Margot Mouton, the other, is very good also when was young. It's very drinkable also when was young. And this is a great uh, discover for me. And I try to, to arrive to make this. And I think uh, finally I, we are more close now than in the past. So in many ways, Ama has stayed the same in the sense that it's the same winemaking facility, it's the same winemaker you uh, for a number of years, over 30 years. But at the same time, a lot of experimentation in the vineyard, a lot of replanting, as you mentioned already, and a, and a number of different bottlings uh, or different focuses on different bottlings. What are some of the things that you made in the past that you don't make now? It's very difficult things. Uh, for example, in the first year, the first 10 years, uh, the, the objective is arrived to, to understand how is the, the uh, characteristic of the tannins of the Sangiovese. Because, uh, as I said before, we don't know really, and so we have to work uh, in, in, the, in the better way to have a good extraction. But the problem is have this extraction. Uh, we have two years very important, not only for me, I think, uh, for all the Chianti Classico. 85 and 88 was two amazing vintage, the best uh, harvest of 1880, 80, probably also 82, but was my first, and so <laughs> I can do Hard better. Hard to know at the <laughs> yeah, time. <laughs> probably now I, I can do better. <laughs> but anyway, 85 and 88, and uh, in 85 and in 88, we discover. Uh, the, the characteristic of the tannins of the Sangiovese. We discovered the, the quantity of the tannins the Sangiovese can, can have. And so, when I arrived the 90, the other, the three, the first three harvests in the, it was, a, was a, a good moment for all the producers of Chianti. Because if you test now, for example, 88, non, non, not only my wine, but also the wine I, of the property I said before, you discover the elegance. And after the 90, the Sangiovese, the Chianti Classico is becoming very elegant, very sweet, very round. Uh, and before, probably the tannins of the 85 is good now, but at that time it was really still aggressive, still a little bit present. After 88, we reduce, and with the 90, we arrive to produce very, very good wine. For me, 90 is a very familiar stones of the, of the, for the Chianti Classico history. So you feel like you had certain vintages and those vintage experiences influenced your future style. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. The, the 90 was one of these. The other, in the recent uh, harvest, for example, 2000, 2007, because uh, the, we discover, we discover uh, the, the, global, the global warming, because we arrived to make the harvest very early compared to the past. Uh, and this is a, a, gr a great uh, surprise for us. Some work in the vineyard we did in the 80 and the 90, now we didn't 
because for example uh, take off the leaves uh, in front of the grapes with the last uh, harvest very hot with the in some years the summer arrive very early we need to have the leaves and, and we don't we don't work in this sense and so we, we little little i said uh, it's 30 years I work, but every year is for, is for me a, a secret. I, my, my fear uh, when I start the harvest is to recognize very early the possibility of the raw material. I have to work in this sense. I have to understand early how I have to work. Because uh, I can have an idea, I can have a recipe to, to work, but uh, my comparison is with the, with the grape. When I arrive in front of the grape, I have to understand, okay, with this I can work uh, how I can, how I want. Uh, with other, I have to change. Otherwise, uh, I, uh, our job is uh, to uh, catch on to the grape the best every year. Sometimes this best is a great dimension, the, the, the great millesime, for example. Sometimes the best is uh, the, in a small dimension. But uh, in terms of uh, uh, agreeability, have to be the same. The, the wine have to be good uh, in the bad and in the great years. The difference... Uh, is only in terms of aging. Some some wine can age it more, some other can age it less. But that's all. You, you have to, if you understand this uh, possibility, the possibility, the real possibility of each grapes, you can produce great wine every in every year, in every year. In, uh, of course, not not the same quantity. This is another <laughs> this is another question. But for us, this is our job. Is our job in the, for example, we have had in the 2003 very difficult years was 2001, 2002, 2003, 2001 because in the we have had the the snow on Easter, and we lose 30, 35 percent of the production. Uh, after this, the weather is becoming not so terrible, but not so fantastic but becoming fantastic uh, after uh, after july august september and october sun uh, sunny beautiful and and so mm, few production better uh, better weather and the year was amazing but the production is is very is very small Usually I produce uh, around 150, at the time 150,000 bottles, and at the time I produce less 100,000. And so we reduce 30% less. 2002, everyone remember 2002 is a really a disaster, for, not only for, for Italy, but for the Europe. Uh, only <laughs> soft the uh, Burgundy, because 2002 in Burgundy is fantastic here. But uh, we have rain, rain, rain uh, every, in, in every in every month uh, in July, in August, and September, and so the the production was very very few. Uh, we tried to do my best, and in the end uh, we didn't produce, for example, any Aparita, any Merlot, and I put all our best lots in the Chianti Classico, and uh, we stopped the the blend when. The quality you can compare with the three years before, 99, 2000, 2001. And in 2002, I produced only 70,000 bottles. And so, 
And 2003 is a very dry year. It's a year of the very, very dry, and we reduce a lot of the production. So if you, if you take these three years together, we lose the production of one year. This is the problem. And I have to, I never said before, but we produce only by own vineyard. We don't purchase any, uh, any grapes, any wine. And so this is, can be, can be a problem for the economy of the, of the producer. You mentioned Burgundy. You had traveled there a few years ago. How did that affect your viewpoint? I love the, the passion of the Burgundy. I love the, and the respect of the, of the, of the origin, the respect of the tradition. It uh, was really amazing for me to discover this great producer uh, remains so connected with the, with the soil. <laughs> One time I have been to Madame Lefleve and he, he stayed for one day with me and speak about the biodynamic, speak about the, in so passionate uh, way. It's amazing. It's not necessary if she speaks of this because the wine was, was beautiful. It's biodynamic or not biodynamic. It was perfect, perfect wine. I love this wine. But she speaks why and uh, and how he she arrived to do to produce this wine it was was a, a good lesson, a great lesson for me. Were there any other lessons that you took back from that trip? But, uh, another important lesson is the they know uh, because they know well better than all the producers in the world the the characteristic of the grape. Uh, place by place, uh, they controlled for uh, hundred uh, hundred years the the same parcel, and they say, for example, the line where you can have uh, the the freezer or the line, or you can have uh, more uh, claimstone under under soil or more dry. And this is the parcelization we we haven't in this moment in the Chianti Classico, and they need more producers start to do this uh, in singular way. Each of each of us uh, know what is the best place, but we have to. We need more time. This is a problem <laughs> in the in the winemaking. The time is is very very important in this moment. We need more time to know better our our soil. After this, we can do uh, the same we 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 could do the same parcelization of of the burgundy because chianti need this kind of uh, solution because uh, when we speak about chianti classico we we haven't only one chianti classico you know the character of the bordeaux bordeaux is a, is a good uh, teacher for us but we are not so similar to bordeaux because the the soil is not so up and down like us. Uh, the variety... The elevations change the, more. The elevation change. In, in Tuscany. Uh, in, change, in Chianti Classico. Uh, exactly. And, uh, and, the, and the variety is, is completely different. Cabernet is more strong. Uh, Sangiovese is more similar to the Pinot Noir. Uh, you know, Pinot Noir, uh, Sangiovese makes uh, Brunello, Nobile, Chianti, Chianti... Cioè, makes a lot of different wine in the same region. Uh, because change the face when, when you plant in Montalcino or when you plant in Gaiola. And this is very important. This is a value for me of our variety. But we have to 
to discover, to, to know better. Probably this is impossible to discover only one generation. We need more. Uh, we start to do something, but is, is the future is uh, of uh, our, our guys. For a number of years, in addition to working at Casteldama, you're also the head of the Consorzio of Chianti Classical Producers. What was that experience like, looking at the region as a whole? More or less six, year, six years ago, I started in 2006, uh, 2012, is two, two times. It was a, a very important experience for me, because it's the first time uh, I, I worked, because I finished my study at the university and after I started to work in Dama. And so I never had an experience like this. And it uh, was a beautiful experience, because we, we have this... Uh, kind of uh, comparison with more producer bigger more more bigger very very small producer and uh, and was really a good uh, good things we try to do something but you know when you are a lot of people because the consortium of Chianti classes is the most important in terms of number is the most important consortium of Italy in terms of uh, surface, no, because Asti is more bigger. But the producer of Asti is, is, is less than the producer of Chianti Classico. We are around 600 uh, producers, and uh, half of this, more or less, put the wine in the bottle. And so have 350 producers directly from the grapes since the bottle. And uh, it's not easy to find uh, the something to organic to all together consensus uh, the, the consensus to, total consensus is very difficult we spoke a lot about the appellation the communal appellation we are spoke about uh, the zonazione cioè to, to divide it like burgundy but anyway is uh, is a is a big is a, is a big problem is a great problem and have to to speak a lot before to to start the unique things we did is a new uh, new appellation new classification we did and start now for start a few months ago with the Chianti Classico, Reserva and Gran Selezione. Uh, we introduced this, this new concept of the Gran Selezione because uh, we try to make the difference between the uh, who purchased, who, who didn't purchase any grapes and, and any, any liter of wine. I see, I see. And this is important, I think, for the customer. This is not uh, a classification, if you want, it's not the classification in terms of quality, because sometimes it's better the, the, the wine from the industry. But uh, the customer uh, with this classification know if bought this wine, uh, this wine is uh, uh, totally produ product in the, in the property. And this is, uh, I think this is important. So Grand Selection means... Gran Selezione means, yeah, the name, <laughs> probably we will uh, find something more beautiful. This is a little uh, Spanish <laughs> name, but uh, to, to give an idea of this, and, and, and overall, because Gran Selezione can be the first step, because the second step, you can put the name of the common. And so this is Gran Selezione from Gaiola, Gran Selezione from Radda, Gran Selezione. And little, little, I think uh, we uh, can arrive to have... The, the the great identity 
common for common and the, the different style can a little be more homogenized for for the control of the of the customer i think and this is can can be can be something but of course we can do more but for the moment this is just enough for us <laughs> So what is that implied? Grand Selezione is the one with no purchase scrapes? No, Grand Selezione is allora you have first is the, the Chianti Classico, regular Chianti Classico, sure. regular Chianti Classico is the wine you drink uh, early, can put in the bottle one year later the harvest and so is for example is 2012 in this moment and uh, is a wine uh, drinkable easily. Second level is the Reserva the reserve exists also before, but after the DOCG, after the DOCG, the control of the uh, to 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 have the DOCG is only one control, and so you put your bottle to the control, and they say yes, and after this you decided if this wine can be regular or reserva, no more control, and so you can find, for example, in the past a summer reserva. Only because the wine is remaining 24 months in the in the cellar and uh, is becoming a reserve, but not because this reserve have really uh, more quality compared the the basic wine. And so in this moment now, uh, you have to say, this is my uh, bottle. You test my bottle for reserve, or you test my bottle only for uh, basic wine. And so in this sense, uh, also for the customer. Uh, will found on the market better wine to the level uh, reserve. At the level reserve can arrive everyone, also the industry, uh, also the producer purchase uh, the grapes and the, and the wine. We, for this reason, we, we, we do the third level Grand Selezione. Third level is integralmente prodotto, uh, I, I mean, every grapes, every wine come from the property. You can stay also if you are in industry, but only for uh, the wine come from your specific vineyard. And this is just uh, something a little bit more. And uh, we start to sell uh, uh, this wine 30 months later the harvest. And so it's six months more than the reserva. Uh, and the, the principle I, I, I try to do is this. Every producer, every viticulture know very well where is in your property, where is the best place. And so if you, are you to make my zonazione, are you said that this is the best because this is come from this, this vineyard or, and in the future, if you, if, if you, we continue in this kind of uh, idea, probably we can uh, put the picture of the of the best part of the region i think uh, for the moment is is a new room is an empty room is depend of what we put inside but if if we put seriously the best uh, probably in next five or ten years we are have to have this kind of zonation natural zonation and not uh, not zonazione come from the high, no? <laughs> Did you find as head of the Chianti Classico Consortio that Chianti Classico faces challenges with perception in the market, with how people understand it? Chianti, uh, we have the always, always the same problem. When I start in the 80s, the problem was Chianti, Chianti is one wine, 
uh, is really rare for the customer to know what is the difference between Chianti and Chianti Classico. Uh, and, and, and that's remain the, the, the great problem. Probably the, the good customer, the, the good connoisseur of the wine uh, recognized this because the market gives the difference with the, with the money, with the price of the two levels of wine. Chianti have a certain price, Chianti Classico is another price. And also the, the cheap Chianti Classico costs more than the cheap uh, Chianti. And so this is an indifference. And so in terms of quality, probably some uh, producer, some uh, customer know this, this, uh, this difference. But anyway, for the mostly uh, part of the, of the customer, we have to explain what is Chianti, what is Chianti Classico. We are Italian, we are really problematic because Chianti, uh, with the name Chianti, you can, uh, when you say Chianti, you say the name of the wine, or the name of the place. The problem is the place called Chianti don't produce the Chianti wine, but produce the Chianti Classico. Because the Chianti is the ancient, the older, the oldest part of the production of the Chianti. In the region we produce all the Chianti in, in the region Chianti. And the name is Chianti because Gaiole in Chianti, Ama in Chianti, Radda in Chianti, not Ama in Chianti Classico. It didn't exist a region-specific Chianti Classico. Chianti is the region we, where we produce the Chianti Classico. But in the, in the end of uh, 800 uh, the, and 900 overall, the quantity of the Chianti we produce is not enough. And so the state gives the possibility to produce other wine around the region of the Chianti. And later, in the 30s, I don't remember, 30s of the last century. Uh, the 1930s. Uh, the, 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 Chianti, the, the wine product in Chianti is becoming Chianti Classico. And the other uh, wine Chianti produce uh, all, all abroad, the, the, the Chianti, called Chianti. It's impossible to understand, <laughs> really. If you put on this also the consortium and the black rooster, the problem we, we have had with the black rooster, I understand very well, it's very, it's very difficult to, to, to explain this kind of difference. The unique things we can do is the quality in the bottles. Uh, in the end, uh, uh, I know that the, it's the name of the property, is the quality in the bottle, the typicity, this is the, character, the real characteristic better than the denomination. But I think for me the, the, the appellation is important because I don't like to be ama in nowhere. I would like to be ama in Chianti Classico. This is very important because if you test my wine, you have to test the Chianti Classico wine, the, the, the origin of the place. This is the wine. I'm coming back to the what I said before. Uh, the wine is something connected very strictly with the origin. If you have the ori very noble origin like uh, we have, uh, it's important for you to understand where I come from. Uh, and this is. Our idea is what we follow for 30, 33 years. So what about Super Tuscans then? Super Tuscan. Super Tuscan was uh, very, very, very important wines uh, overall in the past. Uh, very important because uh, give the possibility to the customer to discover Tuscany. Because without Super Tuscan, probably we are still with the fiasco, uh, the other things. 
but also uh, in the technical point of view because uh, in, in this with this wine we uh, we learn to produce wine uh, the best wine we pr we produced in the 80 was super tuscan wine later arrived at the, the the Chianti or the Brunello or the other. Before is the Super Tuscan. It's the experimentation because in my example, for uh, we uh, surgrafted uh, in 82, 83 a part of the uh, certain parcel in front of the cellar with the Merlot because we watch what's happening in soil uh, very similar to us in, in Bordeaux and uh, they planted Merlot and not Cabernet. And so we decided to, to sugraft a little parcel of Merlot. With the right clones, this is another important thing, because at that time didn't exist uh, any clones of Sangiovese. We, we have a, a selection, but it's a, it's a muscle selection, it's not really clones. I found to work for the first time with the selectional uh, grapes, and we, we tried to work in the best way not only us, but all the other producers. And this uh, wine uh, was really something, is a, is a flash in the, in the wine market for the wine journalists, for example, for international wine consumer, because discover the quality of, of the place with this wine. And so this wine uh, was very, very important at that time. The problem is, little a little for me, uh, this wine changed a little bit the face because uh, before well the project is a wine out the appellation with the great typical typicity of Tuscan this is a great super Tuscan at the beginning a little little we lose no we, we, we maintain the quality probably we we are looking for 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 a long time overall in the 90 also the the sympathy of the market and so we go in the direction of the market but we lose the Toscanicity, and this is a great mistake. In this moment, uh, in this moment, it's just a lot of year. We produce great wine, uh, great super wine, but less Toscan. And for this reason, for me, have lose a little bit the 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 the, the appeal uh, for for the consumer because it's super wine. Sometimes it's also expensive, but super wine expensive is easy to find in every part in the world. If you don't give to the consumer uh, the, the, the sun of the Tuscan, the, the hill of the Tuscan, is, uh, I, they can buy the, the, the wine from uh, Chile, from uh, everywhere, uh, Australia or, or other place. And, and this, for me, uh, was, was uh, the real problem. It uh, was important. It eh? was important because uh, carry on all the the denomination of the of the Toscan and uh, it was important because uh, we worked well uh, we worked better than the past uh, we discovered the how to use the barriques uh, we, we discovered a lot of things and so it was was very very important in this moment I think uh, we have to continue uh, also with this wine and no problem but we have we have to come back a little bit more to the origin when, uh, and so with, to the Toscany city. And how do you do that? How do you do? Uh, this is a, a great question, great, great question, because 
we uh, we should uh, watch a, a little bit less to the ranking, uh, watch a little bit less to the competition. The wine is not made for the competition. The wine is made to drink. And uh, we have to produce very drinkable wine, very uh, wine with the give give the consumer the, the pleasure to drink. You know, in Italy, uh, we, uh, overall in the past, we, we drink the wine since when we are uh, 10 or 14 years with the water, but also in the family, the father gives the, the wine to the... And this is the pleasure of the wine, the, but um, the wine uh, have uh, a certain value. Uh, we have to respect this value also in this wine. We don't follow the direction of the competition because this is not the, the wine is not born for this. Is another 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 things another things. So you make a, a merlot. Yeah. And how has that changed over the years in terms of your own perception of it? When did you start making it and what is it like to make it today? Allora, we, we start to make the Merlot in 85. 85 is the first uh, label of Aparita. Uh, we sugrafted, I said, uh, on the vineyard of seven, eight years uh, in between 82 and 83. Was uh, for a long time this Merlot is becoming our flagship wine because uh, people discover Ama with a Merlot, and th- and that's uh, <laughs> I don't know if uh, my wife and I uh, made a mistake, but we are we was happy because uh, it's our wine, but in the same times uh, this uh, important flagship. There is to cover a little bit the work we did uh, in the Sangiovese and in the Chianti Classico. And so for, for year and year when the uh, market asked us uh, two, three times the production, we continue and we maintain the same production. We produce uh, five or six thousand bottles each year, no more. Because we believe in the appellation, we believe our force was to produce a great Vigneto Bella Vista, a great uh, Vigneto La Casuccia. And when the wine journalists uh, went to Ama to, for the Merlot, we test the Merlot and after we offer, but uh, <laughs> test my Chianti Classico. And probably with this uh, political, uh, we reduce a little bit the appeal of, on, the, on, the, on the Merlot. But anyway, we, we, we grow up a lot with the Chianti Classico and the, and the denomination. This is our result. In this moment, of course, Aparita remain a great wine. is one of the best. He, he won a lot of um, blind tasting with the more reputed wine in the world. Uh, it's incredible. It's incredible wine, really. But and probably in, uh, in this moment is also underpriced. But uh, but we work for the for the Chianti Classico. If you have to to test the Merlo, our Merlot with the best Merlot in Italy or or in the world, I'm sure this is a great a great horse, <laughs> and this is a horse can win. But 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 when I present you my Merlot, your head go away to the Pomerole Santa Mignon because the original place for this wine is Pomerole Saint-Emilion, it's French, it's not Tuscany. And the wine I present you, and when I introduce you, 
My Bella Vista, I am the original, and the other is the copy. There is a great difference. At one time you made Pinot Noir at AMA, and you also made the Crew San Lorenzo. And what happened to those <laughs> wines? Because I don't see them anymore. Uh, no, because... Um, uh when when i when i start to work uh, the, the mostly difficult uh, things to to do is to have the good uh, homogeneity in terms of quality because the hill up and down different exposition different uh, altitude and uh, when you enter in canti- in, uh, in the cellar after the fermentation test the different vats you have uh, the peak in certain vats and in the other is not so good in I need uh, uh, 14 years to arrive to make uh, a good homogenization. And this homogenization I real- realize because we uh, catch the Sangiovese in the bad place and the Sangiovese remain only in the same altitude, in the same exposition. And so we can have this, this opportunity to produce the wine of the Chateau. In 96, uh, so I started in 82, in 96 was born the label Castello di Ama. Castello di Ama is really our wine of the Chateau, is our, our flagship wine. Between 82 and 97, uh, little by little I discover something more of each valley, I produce a single vineyard. And so 78 was uh, Bella Vista, 82 was born San Lorenzo. 85 Casuccia and 88 Bertinga. This is the fourth valley we had at the time and we produced a single vineyard. But uh, the project, I said, is produce not uh, 10 or 12,000 bottles of good wine, but uh, 100,000 bottles or 200,000 bottles of good wine. And so little by little, uh, we improve more quality of the of the regular Chianti Classico. Like, uh, and... Uh, and uh, cycle cycling uh, race you have the groups uh, follow the four uh, people in, in advance and little little the groups arrived to catch the two not so strong and so when the group arrive near san lorenzo and bertinga coming back in the chianti class in the regular chianti class remain only the two more faster is bella vista casuccia in 96, when there was born the label Castello, of course, the space for these two crew is more is a little bit more smaller. I have to produce better, but when you make just so level of quality, it's very difficult to make this. For this reason, after uh, 96, I produced the two crews only in the best year. 97, 2001, 2004, 6, 7, and now the next is, is 11. And so... Is, uh, these two wine exist but didn't exist is uh, is only six uh, five six thousand bottles each and not every years because our expression is uh, our best expression is castello di ama with the new uh, appellation now with the grand selezione we have uh, i said we never uh, purchase nothing grapes or wine and so every wine Every bottle of our wine can be Grand Selezione. Uh, but we put in this uh, big level the Castello di Ama and also the, uh, the two crews, Bella Vista e Casuccia. To recognize this, now, uh, this is uh, the, new, the, the new name, uh, the 2010 is the first uh, new Grand Selezione of Castello di Ama, is coming back to the name San Lorenzo. 
And so Castello di Ama, 2010, is called San Lorenzo. It's not Vineyard San Lorenzo, but San Lorenzo because is the name is, is the name generally speaking. And inside you can find the grapes from the vineyard San Lorenzo and also the other vineyard. And so uh, in this moment our pyramid is made with Ama, is a simple wine, the first level of wine. And this wine uh, uh, is made by the more younger vines, uh, easily to drink with the respect of the origin. You, you can test uh, always uh, Ama, of course, but in a more simple way. And later you have Castello di Ama San Lorenzo, is the Grand Selezione, and when I can, the two vineyard selection. This is... Uh, our uh, <laughs> our pyramid because you don't make the vineyard selections every year yeah yeah this is the this is the problem otherwise it's, it's simple no you have we, we don't have any reserva for the moment because uh, at the beginning uh, the castello is, is becoming reserva but now with the new appellation we prefer to call this grand selezione is is our best expression of course and where do you see things progressing in the next 20 years at Castello d'Ama? Oh, dear. <laughs> I hope to be there <laughs> for the next 20. No, I, we are working for our children. We have, uh, Lorenzo and I have three children and uh, 17, 15, 12 is very young. Uh, we, we hope one of these three or all these three can follow uh, the, the, our work it continues because for me one generation to produce uh, wine is not enough as I said before something work we did in the past now is not uh, so true the, the, I, I spoke for example with the, some producer of Burgundy and said the clones they selected in the 80s and the 90s is not, is not good now. They, they continued to select the clones because now change the things. And so it's, it's, it's really amazing our job. We, we repeat for 30, 40 times uh, during the life and, uh, and, uh, and, and change also the, 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 the place where you play, you know. It's, this is incredible. And so I hope, uh, we hope, Lorenzo and I hope, one of the three children can continue. Uh, we try to, to arrive, to put Ama in the, in the Olimpo of the best uh, producer, not only of Toscany, Italy, but in, in the world. We, we continue. For us, it's like a dream because when we start, we watch the French uh, far kilometer and kilometer. Now it's not so, so distance is a little bit reduced. We sometimes we we want also some blind testing, and so we can our our place can uh, become one of the best places for the vineyard in the world. And so we 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 work in this sense. I I wish. Uh, my children can do this for the future. I would like. <laughs> Marco Palanti, he's made a project of explaining Gaioli in Chianti at Castello di Ama. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. Marco Palanti. All Drink to That is hosted and produced by myself, Levy Dalton. Aaron Scala has contributed original pieces. Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey. The show music was performed and composed by Rob Moose, and Thomas Bartlett. Show artwork by Alicia Tenoyan. T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, and so much more, including show stickers, notebooks, and even gift wrap are available for sale if you check the show website, 
alldrinktothatpod.com. That's I-L-L, drinktothatpod.com, which is the same place you'd go to sign up for our email list or to make one of the crucially important donations that help keep this show operating. You can donate from anywhere using PayPal or Stripe on the show website. Remember to hit subscribe or to follow this show in your favorite podcast app, please. That's super important to see every episode. And thank you for listening.